you are now tuning into the Four Feathers podcast brought to you by Chicago Sports Nation. Episode 8 of the Four Feathers podcast. This is the Q show. We are remembering and uh, venting about the firing of head coach Joel Quinville. Um, I'm Johnny Nani. I'm joined by Ron Luce, Tony Marchese, and Tyler Jones. Uh, it's a sad day, guys. It's a very sad day. Um, I don't think any of us really saw this coming, at least not today. Um, you know, I was the only news I was expecting to see come across my Twitter feed all day was people talking about politicians, not Mm -hmm. talking about Joel being no more here in Chicago. So, um, definitely a, uh, a very sad day. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think we need to take a moment of silence for, for the fucking success that Quinville brought us and, and obviously that, that dirty, dirty stash. Oh man. Let's pour a little out for let's pour a little out for Q boys. Yeah. yeah. Pour a little out for Q. Crack 'em for Q. Crack 'em for Q. I like that. Let's crack 'em for Q. There you go. <clears throat> Perfect timing. There it is. All right. All right. So Joel Quinville, four hundred and fifty two, two forty nine, ninety six regular season record. 76 and 52 in the postseason, nine playoff appearances, three division titles, three Stanley Cups. Blackhawks announced this morning, election day, to bury it in the news cycle, that he is out as head coach. Jeremy Colleton, formerly of the Rockford Ice Hogs, is now the head coach. Um, Tony, I'm just going to hand it right over to you. Initial reactions. Are you coming to me first? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've been pretty fucking vocal about this on Twitter all day. I think all of you know that. You've all seen it. Um, this is fucking horseshit. This is absolutely the worst. I, I, I got to formulate some thoughts here. Number one, you, br- you bring up the fact that it was done on the election day. Um, this move was calculated. It's disgusting. It's fucking horseshit. The... All-time winningest coach in Blackhawks history, boys. The guy that brought three Stanley Cups to this city ousted on a day where the Hawks want to bury it in a news cycle. Fucking disgusting. The way he was let go today is just absolutely... There's no other word to put it than disgusting. Um... The guy deserves so much credit for everything that he's done for the Blackhawks organization, for everything that he's done for the city of Chicago, for everything that he's done for Stan Bowman, Rocky Wirtz, uh, just everybody that's involved with the Blackhawks organization, Jonathan Taves, Patrick Kane, all the players, uh, guys who played for this team, role players, everybody. You don't 
fire your coach that way. And the thing that I think really pisses me off the most is at the end of the last season, when the Hawks failed to make the playoffs for the first time in, you know, a countless number of years, John McDonough and Stan Bowman go into their end of the season press conference and pretty much say that Q's our guy. Then they come in today, fire him on a day where they want to bury it in the news cycle, do it early in the morning, hold a press conference later this afternoon, and talk about how people need to be held accountable. One of the things they said was this was not a a rash decision, that this has been being thought about for three or four weeks. Bullshit. How did the Hawks start the year? First 10 games. They were sitting in like first place. You mean to tell me that while the Hawks were looking good this year, Stan Bowman and John McDonough are sitting back there talking about how they want to get rid of Coach Q? Then the Hawks go on a five-game losing streak, and we'll get into that later. But there's no way that the five-game losing streak and I don't know if you guys were listening to the score earlier. They actually brought up there was a uh, there was a gaffe uh, in the last game where where Coach Q had not put anybody in the penalty box when Duncan Keith was ejected. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it just seems like, I mean, if you followed the Hawks for the past five years, you knew that there was tension between Stan Bowman and Joel Quenville, and for Stan Bowman to go up on on the on the podium and lie in front of the media to the fans of this organization that he and Joel Quenville are great buddies and he owes a lot to to Joel Quenville. You damn fucking right you owe a lot to Joel Quenville. That man brought the three cups here. Dale Talon built the talent on this team. He built this team and Stan Bowman inherited it. Stan Bowman owes more to Coach Q than fucking getting rid of him on election day and try and bury it in the news cycle. If you're going to get rid of Joel Quinville, you do it last year. You don't tell the fans that we're sticking with Coach Q, go into the season, rattle off 10 games where your team looks good and has a little skid while Patrick Kane is not feeling himself. I mean, you've got Patrick Kane out here sitting there thinking, oh my God, if I, if I was healthy over the past week, maybe things would be different. Now, not only that, not only that, you've got John McDonough and Stan Bowman sitting there saying, well, this accountability thing, right? Look in the mirror. Look in the fucking mirror. It wasn't Joel Quinville that traded Artemi Panarin. It wasn't Joel Quinville that left $5.4 million on the table to fill obvious needs that this Blackhawks or that the Blackhawks team needs uh, to, to make the team better. Joel Quinville didn't sign Brandon Manning to a $2.25 million deal. Joel Quinville didn't get rid of guys like Nicholas Jalmerson. Yeah, okay, I've, I've heard a lot today about how, you know, well, Joel Quinville pushed out guys like Michael Kempney and, and, and Daly. Those guys aren't key players anywhere else. Michael Kempney is a, a set, maybe a second-role kind of guy. And yeah, Coach Q maybe ran him out of town a little bit. But look at the other guys that Quinville ran out of town. Look at Brandon Peary. What's he doing right now? Jeremy Warren. Yeah, Jeremy Warren. And then there's another one. It's absolutely atrocious to hear that people need to be held accountable. And then you hear 
out of John McDonough's mouth that Jeremy Colleton is the first manager that Stan Bowman's hired. As if Joel Quinville wouldn't have been the top choice of any other organization in the NHL to hire if he was available. The guy's the second winningest coach of all time. That line right there had me so fucking fired up. Because all that signified was that John McDonough and Stan Bowman are sucking each other's dick so hard that they're going to be around forever. (laughs) And that's not how you continue to push this organization forward. What has Stan Bowman done to help this team win? We talked about it last week. He drafted Alex Dabrinkit, and that was fucking luck. He found Artemi Panarin on luck and then got rid of the guy. This organization has no direction. To sit there and listen to Rocky Wirtz and John McDonough tell us as fans that they're going to go to the playoffs this year and that they have one goal and all this other bullshit. Meanwhile, you hire, you fired the coach with arguably one of the best playoff track records over the last decade to bring in a 33-year-old who has no NHL experience – one year coaching in North America. The guy just had a newborn three days ago. You think he's focused on hockey? Yeah, maybe he wants a little break at home. But guess what? That guy's got a whirlwind going on in his head. I've got two kids. I've been through this. You think he's really focused on on the Hawks? Yeah, obviously it's his job. But there's other factors going on in this in this guy's life. That doesn't make me comforted by the fact that this is the guy that's supposed to lead the Hawks to the playoffs. You've got people in this organization who are on the ice who are older than him. There's a respect. Four guys. Four guys on this team. Key players, too. You think Duncan Keith wants to listen to Jeremy Carlton tell him how to play defense? You know, I, I, I listened to some of that press conference and when he when he was talking, he kind of exposed himself in a way. He's like, well, you know, we need to go after the puck. Do you think that those guys don't know they got to go after the fucking puck? You're not coaching in the AHL. You're not coaching in juniors, dude. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm, I'm so beyond fired up about this. It, it makes no sense. And the one thing that I'm sick of is the smoke and mirrors that all the way from Rocky Works to John McDonough to Stan Bowman put up to the fans, it's disrespectful. To the people who pay money to come watch your team play, give us an answer of what the direction of this team is. I don't want to hear we're remodeling on the fly. You've been doing that for years. Years. And it hasn't really worked in the past few. So where's the accountability for that? They use that word very loosely. And apparently the guy that takes the fall for that is somebody who gets enough out of their players that Patrick Kane's emotionally beat up about himself getting sick and not performing over the last weekend, hoping that Joel Quinville didn't get fired. That's a guy that gets something out of his team. And I don't know. Apparently he still had the team's ear if if that's the case. And, And I don't see that as... I don't see that as the right move for this organization. It, it has me fired up. It has me sick. It makes my stomach churn. 
I can go on all day, but I don't want to fill all this air time up. I, I, I'm curious to hear what you guys have to say. Yeah, I just wanted to say you brought up some points in there that that press conference was a mess. Um, just messages that were kind of contradicting themselves from one exec to the next. And I don't know, like you said, the direction isn't defined, even though as much as they want to sit up there and say it is, it's not. So, Ron, go ahead and uh, sound off. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, Tony, you hit it right on the head. They haven't been straightforward at all to anybody. Um, you know, last year they're sitting there and saying, oh, well, you know, this is unacceptable. And, you know, they come out this year with the whole um, kind of preseason, you know, we're going to turn this around and this is the Blackhawks standard and blah, blah, blah. Um, I think something that today's press conference and I think just today's event in general kind of exposed, um, you know, is that. Bowman's clearly an idiot. I think we already all knew that. But, um, you know, McDonough, I almost want to say, has worn out his welcome a little bit in Chicago. Mm -hmm. Um, I would also argue that, you know, based on what I've read from a lot of people that are quoting, you know, people within the Blackhawks organization, um, former players, things like that, that Rocky does not give a shit about this team unless they're making money does not give a flying fuck. For example, um, I'll pull it up right here. Brent Sopel today. So we were discussing a little mm-hmm. bit off the air before we got started. Um, tweeted this morning. So this is about an hour and a half after the, the news broke. Um, he says, with Q getting fired, it showed again. They don't care unless you are making the money. Nobody's coming in the stadium. You can buy tickets still on Ticketmaster. You know, normally by this time in the season, you're only getting tickets through StubHub or through somebody you know. You know, they're they're desperate to fill seats. They come out with this hat trick package where you get three games for the price of one game, practically. You know, they know that it's not going to be good. Ron, um, I was listening to uh, six seventy the score again on my way home, um, and uh, I think it was Dan McNeil had predicted that. The United Center by January to March will only have about 15,000 in the seats if Jeremy Carlton does not take this team uh, in the right direction here. Uh, say the Hawks go, you know, maybe 5 and 15 over their next 20. Uh, do you guys see that happening? Uh, I certainly can. I mean, I wouldn't be shocked considering the fact that they were selling playoffs this year and they're already having trouble packing the stands. Um, you know, sold tickets and actual attendance are two different numbers. I mean, they take it based off of, you know, sold tickets. So you're still seeing those 20,000 numbers pop up for these home games. But you go to the games, really, it looks like there's only maybe 18 and a half, 19,000. I mean, there is a significantly more noticeable gap within the seating than there has been in years past. If this was even as recently as two years ago, that's not the case. Yeah, I definitely see it happening, Tony. I mean, um, it's, it's sad to see it fall off from that, uh, you know, plateau that we were at, but it's very realistic because it's the organization selling one thing and then the product on the ice being a different thing. And, 
the leaders in that organization not taking accountability for that product on the ice, even though they are very much responsible for it as much as they want to sit up at their uh, podium at a press conference like this, like just happened earlier today and either deny it or deflect it. Well, and the other thing that, that really ticked me off, I don't know if you guys saw the tweet. Um, Mark Lazarus had tweeted something out that, that John McDonough had uh, said that um, they're not, a, they, they expected the criticism to come for firing coach Q. Um, and this goes back to my accountability thing. If there's no accountability, why the fuck are you scared of anything? You can't be. If you're untouchable, which it was pretty much laid out there that Stan Bowman and John McDonough are untouchable, why would they be afraid? They shouldn't because they're not going to lose their jobs. They're making their salary. It's still the same boys club that they had before. They can bring in Carlton and they can put Barry fucking Smith down there on the ice like Stan Bowman's always wanted to do. And they can know every little thing that's going on in that locker room. Why would they be scared of the criticism? They got what they wanted. Yeah, I. It, it blows my mind, Tony. I just now that you brought that point up, I got to get to this tweet from Daniel Carcillo earlier today. He says, "Quote: The firing of Quinville is nothing more than John McDonough, Stan Bowman, and Al McIsaac's hockey and hockey operations in." in parentheses, desperate attempt to save their jobs. There has always been tension between Joel and the above men mentioned. Barry Smith is best friends with Scotty Bowman. Hashtag Blackhawks. Um, the thing that concerns me most is that last point that you brought up about Barry Smith being the internal guy that's the, you know, the crony for whatever, the Bowmans there. Um, and now he just automatically gets an assistant role. That's like, you know, you hit to since it's, I guess since it's election day, it's relevant to relate it to. It's almost like corruption at that, at a point there. Mm -hmm. That's, that's at least the vibe that I get. Well, and here's the other thing. Isn't the head coach supposed to select his assistants? Yeah. Do you think Jeremy Colleton was like, oh yeah, give me Barry Smith. I need that guy. Or do you think he had other people in mind? No. So this isn't this isn't even Colleton's team, and that's the other thing that really just ugh, pisses me off, is that instead of throwing Barry Smith out there as the head coach of this team, and I'm gonna put the tinfoil hat on here, um, instead of throwing Barry Smith out as the head coach, and it's been well known in the public that Coach Q told him to get the fuck out of the locker room. You go and you throw in this 33 year old. Oh yeah, this is pretty the youngest head coach in NHL history and we're you know, we're really excited for him in the future and all this other stuff. Blah 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 blah. It's Barry Smith and Stan Bowman making the decisions because Jeremy Colleton isn't gonna be able to make decisions without it going through Barry Smith, which eventually relays it up to Stan Bowman. Do we want Stan Bowman making decisions for what's going on in the ice and who's playing and all that other stuff? No. We don't. So as much as, uh, to me, Calton is nothing more than a pretty face to put in front of everybody and uh, just kind of stand there while Barry Smith and uh, Stan Bowman, you know, take control of whatever's going on in the ice because Calton's not going to make want to make a wrong move. No. You're hamstringing the guy before he even gets a fucking chance. 
He goes and makes a wrong move. Barry Smith goes up to Stan and says, hey, look what this guy did. He's out of town, too. Who's going to want to come coach here? Nobody as long as Stan is still jam. It's sad. It's it's so sad to watch what we thought over the past 10 years was one of the best-run organizations in Chicago sports look like this because it's a complete fucking joke. Tyler, tell your beautiful voice. What do you think? I don't know, man. I feel like everything that I had running through my head was already said, but I like what we were just talking about, about Colleton. You know, he's got his hands tied, and he's he's in a, a shitty position, uh, for lack of a better word. I mean, A, he's not going to make any calls to the front office, right? If he's upset about something, if Quinville, the, most, the second winningest coach of all time, can't get the shit done that he wants done on his team, then 33-year-old Jeremy Collins is going to be able to? Fuck no, right? He's not going to be able to do that. And then... You know, if he speaks out against management, who's he can't because then what? It's his first coaching job, right? Is he ever going to get one in the NHL again after rumors spread that oh, this guy is isn't willing to work with our front office? So that's the perfect person for fucking Bowman to put into that position and slaughter if needed, or just leave him there and and be the scapegoat. It's just it's ridiculous. It's like we're it's all it's mob mentality shit. They're putting shit together and knocking it down just to get things the way that they want them to be, right? Because Quinville went through the. I mean, obviously, we all know that Quinville should not be off this fucking team right now. But he's fired for, for what? Like, what is the actual reason for a five-game skid on a Canada trip? He's a scapegoat. Exactly, he's a scapegoat for all everything that's happened over the last two, three years. All the bad deals that fucking Scott made, right? Fucking Quinville didn't sign Bickle to a fucking five million dollar contract and then have to lose one of his best talents in Tavo. He didn't. He didn't do that. He didn't make that. Right? If Tavo's still on this team, we have a legit first line center or winger. He didn't make that mistake. So it's just it's it's even it's hard to even put into words how shitty this is. Yeah. No, I don't, I don't disagree at all because. I still remember to this day, you know, <clears throat> that was that was one of the the first contracts that I said, what in the fuck is Stan doing? Because don't get me wrong, Bickle, great human being. Love the guy as a player. Have nothing against him as a player or as a human being. Hated the dude's contract, though. When you're making four, you're making $16 million over four years for nine fucking goals in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Are you kidding me? To be a role he player. Had, he had 18 total goals that season between playoffs and regular season. So here's one. Do you remember? You guys all remember Richard Ponick, right? Yep. When they when they re-signed Ponick, and I was listening to it, I got to give credit over to uh, I think it's the Madhouse Pod that uh, that Jay Zawaski and uh, James Naveau, uh do. They uh, they were talking about that when that happened, and one of the things that that Ponick had said, um, they're like, "Oh, how was your contract negotiation with Stan?" And they, he comes back and the answer is he goes, it was easy. I looked at the number that Stan was going to give me and I just accepted it right away. Are you fucking kidding me? You're the GM. You're supposed to be worried about the financial responsibility of the organization. You've got all these cap problems and you make an offer to a secondary player 
that he automatically just accepts. Where we like, it's no wonder that some of these trades that he's made, GMs are probably like, I can't wait for Stan Bowman to call me, because this guy's just gonna give right up, whatever I want. You know, I'm I'm surprised. You know, maybe Stan Bowman. Here's another tinfoil hat. Maybe Stan Bowman puts no movement clauses on players to avoid him making mistakes, trading away the best talent that he has because the guy can't fucking help himself. Hmm. If yeah. you can't go into a contract negotiation with a guy like Richard Ponick and not have some negotiation, there's a problem because you're worried as an individual at that point about somebody coming back to you and having a negotiation, which is what it's supposed to be. You offer the guy a million less than he's worth, and you meet in the middle. Like, where's the like, where's the sense of I'm going to try and extract the most value out of a player for the least amount of cost? We've seen this over and over and over again. Taves and Kane getting record deals that eat up $20 million of salary cap space. Brent Seabrook, Richard Ponick was signed to a ridiculous deal. Brandon Matt, like right now, like look at some of these deals. We've talked about the the Cam Ward, like was it three million or something? Like, yeah, three million. Absorbent amounts of money for people because Stan Bowman just wants to like hand it out and not have to deal with the whole like, I don't know if this is gonna work. I'm gonna have to negotiate with this guy. That's his fucking job is to try and get the most value on a roster for the least amount of cost. It's that simple. And all he does is the exact opposite. I'm going to pay the most money to people that I possibly can so that I don't have to make the hard calls on who stays, who goes. And so, yeah, let's throw no movement clauses on guys like Artem Anisimov. Otherwise, I might trade him for a bag of pucks and have nothing left over. There's probably somebody telling him, you better put a no-movement clause on that guy or you're going to get rid of him in a stupid fucking deal. Has Amazing. Bowman ever made a good trade that you guys can think of besides the Vermette trade? Because, I mean, that one actually, you know, helped us get pretty deep yeah, in that run. That, but I, 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 You know what, Tyler, I'm glad you brought that up because I saw a point today, and it was actually Barstool Chief, front of the podcast. Um, he was bantering with Sopo a little bit. Um, not really bantering. They were kind of agreeing on everything. But um, he said that the Vermette deal probably doesn't even happen if Kane wasn't on the long-term injured reserve mm. during that 2015 season right, for them right. to open up that cap space. I totally forgot 100%. I forgot about that 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because Kane goes down in, I think it was mid-February, you know, injures his collarbone or whatever on the hit from mm-hmm. uh, Petrovic. and. All of a sudden, you have was he still was it pre ten and a half mil? Regardless, you had at least six and six million dollars that freed up all of a sudden. And yeah, yeah they go get Vermet, they go get um, Kimo Timonen, mm-hmm. you know, and even though he didn't I mean, play at all. That, yeah, what the fuck was that deal? That did nothing. No, Is that it, was that was strictly a locker room. Thing. Let's let's get Timonen <laughs> a, a Stanley Cup, and I mean. 
So I was out. It was great. But the only yeah, deal he made that was good is a cheat. You should not have been taking those chances on a guy like Kimo Tiemann in for that deal. Yeah, Vermette works out though. I will agree that. I mean, other than that though, and that was another thing of lucky circumstances. Like yeah, we think about, about what well, we just said. What yeah. talent has he brought in that's been worthwhile? And you talk about Debrinket. Well, it was kind of lucky too because that. You know, teams passing on to Brinkett being undersized, and then he picks him up in the second round, and then there you go. He has hell of a rookie year. So, All right, let's go back to this, though. If you leave Andrew Shaw on this team and you sign him to some, I don't know, Montreal gave him a fucking ridiculous deal. But if you don't move Panarin, you can arguably still have Shaw and Panarin here, and this team has more grit. What has this team done since Andrew Shaw left? He, Stan Bowman has systematically gotten rid of every role player that's played a key role for guys who don't play key roles over and over and over again. I mean, you see, he tried to bring back Andrew Ladd to be a, a, a savior at one point, but at that point, Andrew Ladd was playing out of his role. When Andrew Ladd was here the first time, he was just a role player, and then you bring him back, and you're like, oh, this is guy is going to try and score you know, 15 goals for us down the stretch. It doesn't work. You've seen it with Versteeg over and over and over again. Because you didn't have the level of talent throughout the roster to accommodate guys like Andrew Ladd, like Chris Versteeg, the Dave Bolins, the Andrew Shaws of the world. And when you go back and you like do this whole like I'm gonna bring this guy back and we need him to win over and over and over again, the team isn't the same. I was really pissed when when in particular Andrew Shaw went, and yeah we got to bring it back. But let's be honest, we we talked about this before too. Who would you rather have, to bring it and Sod back or our Tommy Panarin? I'd argue Panarin all day. Yeah, and you look at, I mean, every really good young player that he ever drafted has been moved out for some reason or another. Um, you know, some working out fine. I mean, you look in the case of, like, the Vermette trade, Klaus Dahlbeck really has never, would never have been anything significant to the Blackhawks. Mm-hmm. And I don't even know what Arizona took with that first-round pick that they got for Vermette. But you look at guys like Philippe Denault, who's now a top-six, you know, forward in Montreal. You look like a guy like Tuvo, who's now a top line winger in Carolina. Um, Steven Johns. Steven Johns is another one. I mean, really, the only two guys that. Yeah. Well, Stan didn't draft Letty. Um, Letty was a trade. Um, He did move Letty. And exactly. So. I mean, that was that was what we continually saw was all these guys getting moved out who were young and promising. And. You know, really, you look at even the cup teams, you know, of the guys that were true contributors to those cup teams, the 13 and 15 teams, really the only two that Stan actually drafted were Saad and Shaw. Mm-hmm. That was really it. You know, Jalmerson was from the old regime. Seabrook and Keith were from the old regime. Uh, Taves and Kane were from the old regime. And sure, some of these guys even predate Dale Talon, like uh, in Seabrook and, and Dunks's case. But, I mean, there was, it was, you know, everybody's, well, you know, yeah, Stan, you know, was able to keep this team together. He brought in role pieces that helped them continue to win. Yeah, but the core was in their prime age, 
and was built pre him. He was given the keys to a Ferrari and he's like, it, it was like he was 16 and, you know, <laughs> daddy comes up to him and he goes, Stan, I'm going to give you the nice car you can take out on your date tonight, but don't you dare fucking crash it. And no, he did it crashed. and good for him. He didn't crash it. But now you're seeing when he's actually got to build the team around an aging core where you've overpaid guys like Brent Seabrook and, you know, to your point, Tony, you know, Kane and Taves are, are making 20 million out of almost 80 million. So a quarter of the cap, you know, now he's kind of in a corner and he's like, I don't know what to do. And it's just frustrating. It's really frustrating because, you know, you have all of these, you know, fans over the years that are calling and, oh, we love Stan Bowman. He's the greatest general manager ever. Stan Bowman is not. He wasn't ever. He was doing just enough to keep the team competitive around the core pieces because year in and year out, the core pieces are what did everything. You know, and even everybody's like, well, you know, he signed Marion Hosa. Eh, not really. No, if, you, if you, you listen to the – No, well, in fairness, Stan was on, you know, the team when he signed, and I think Dale was gone at that point. But Scotty Bowman was the one with the connection to Marion Hosa. And a lot of people don't know that because it was kind of hidden away. It was like, oh, well, we're going to tuck that away. You know, Scotty Bowman had the connection that got the Hawks to be able to talk to Hosa and ultimately sign him. So, yeah, I mean, it's just, yeah, it's frustrating as hell because, you know, and I think, I think anybody that was on Twitter today enough saw it, you know, <laughs> Joel was not ultimately the problem. Yeah. Sure. Did Joel do things that people were like, you shouldn't have done that, Joel? Sure. But every coach does that. You know, you're not second all time winning as head coach for no reason. And, you know, now we have to deal with Stan, you know, and, and I, quite honestly, I feel terrible for Jeremy Colton. I really do, because this is a guy who. You know, he came over from Sweden. He took Mora, who was a, a, a lower level Sweden team, helped them win their league and move up to the Swedish league because that's how it works over there. You win your league, you get to advance to the higher league, which means more money, better players, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, takes, you know, a Rockford team that sure they, they loaded up for the playoffs, but was still arguably not even the best roster going into that playoffs last year in total. I mean, the Chicago Wolves are really good. Grand Rapids was really good. Uh, the Texas Stars were really good, who ultimately beat the Ice Hogs, and took them on a hell of a run, upset some really good teams. And, you know, I think they were grooming him along all along. They were saying, you know what, Joel's not going to last forever. Even if we keep Joel for another five years, Joel's probably going to want to retire. And I don't blame him. He's going to want to go smoke his cigars and go gamble on horse racing for the rest of his life and enjoy his multiple Stanley Cups and wins and whatnot. But, you know, so I think, you know, Carlton was in the wings for that day to come. It just came way sooner than anybody anticipated. And I see people that are, you know, on Twitter are like cussing out Jeremy Carlton, like, oh, fuck this guy, blah, blah, blah. It, give the guy a chance. It's not his fault that Joel got fired. He even said it. He's like, he was thankful for Joe Glenville because of all the things he was able to teach him in his time here. You know, it's it's the front office. It is the front office, 100%. And this is them just trying to cover their ass. Yeah, so, we had touched on it just slightly earlier. The the biggest thing that I feel bad about Jeremy Colleton 
uh, for right now is that he wasn't able to pick his own assistants like we had talked about. Usually the head coach is the one that picks their own assistants, fits their style of play, their system, whatever they want to implement with this group of guys. But instead, it's a front office plug in Barry Smith that's getting thrown in there. And then Granado's being kept on, which I can't really harp on him too much. There's not... Uh, that's a different thing. But either way, it's not a Colleton pick. So that is where I agree with you, Ron. I I just feel bad for him where he's kind of thrown into the fire, even more so than a coach that young and in this situation would be just because of the organizational circumstances that have been thrown, that thrust upon him by no control of his, you know, uh, completely out of of his control. So that. Uh, that just it, all that si- the situation rubs me the wrong way because obviously the departing of Quinville, we've Tony has already summed all of that up for us perfectly. But um, the the, transi- the transition <laughs> into the new era too. It's not it's not like they say it's a fresh start like they did at the press conference, but uh, that I don't buy that. That's not a fresh start if you ask me. With those uh, surrounding coaches there, it's a smelly start. It is. Do you guys think smells, Q retires? Like no. No. I mean, he's not going to catch up to to Scott Senior or Bowman Senior for wins. This just he's going to have to spend another ten years to do that, right? I mean, sure, he can go chase another cup, but like, what else does he really have to accomplish? Uh, proving Stan Bowman's an idiot. That's true. I don't even think he needs to prove that, though. <laughs> I think everyone knows that. Yeah, but, I mean, I've seen the St. Louis rumors floated around. Yeah. Um, If if you're Joel Quinville, yeah, you can go rest on, on your career. And, I mean, it's been – he's a Hall of Famer. So right. you, you could you could rest on that and, and you know, you're successful. But, um, I mean, let's, let's talk real life. If you had the opportunity to go make a few extra million dollars – wouldn't you? Of course. And I mean, if you had, if, if you had, if if you're a competitor, and we know that Joel Quinville is a fucking competitor, uh, wouldn't you want to go shove it down your former organization's throat and yes. say, "Why the fuck did you fire me?" Do we still have to pay him for next year? Right? He still gets paid that money. Yep, he's still making twelve million dollars over the next two years. Where does that come out of? That's not that's nothing listed on cap or anything. No, right? it doesn't yeah. come out of the salary cap. But the oh. Hawks still owe him that money. Gotcha. Good for him. Yeah, that's that's just out of Rocky's that pocket. Shit. Yeah, so I saw a comment from Mike Yo. It was probably last week, I would say, mid-last week, um, where the Blues went on a skid, and he said that his job should be in question. Um, so that, that just opens the door for all these rumors, like you had said, Tony, about uh, St. Louis possible uh, you know, re- reunion with them. So he was there before he came to the Hawks. So I, that would just I would hate break to, my I would, fucking heart. Man. I would hate to see it too, but you know what? To be honest with you, I'm not going to take credence from you know just random Twitter rumors, but I mean, it's not completely out of the possibility because I could probably name you four teams off the top of my head right now that would gladly take Joel Quinville as a coach. I mean, probably even more, but I can name you about 20. Right. Well, realistically, in terms of where these teams are at and the direction that the coaches have led them in, Philadelphia Flyers, St. Louis Blues, and there's probably a Look at Ottawa, players. dude. Look you at that the, video we just watched. Yeah. yeah. And don't forget the L.A. Kings just fired their head coach about three days ago. Yeah. Right. Even though they, they said that they were committed to him. But, you know, that if a guy, let's obviously not 
that's before something like a Quinville thing opens up and it, I don't know. It, it, it's, it sucks. It sucks. How do you root for this team the rest of the year? (laughs) I mean, this is something that I'm, I'm legit struggling with after watching that press conference today. And the Hawks are a huge part of my life. I mean, obviously I'm spending time podcasting about this team as we all are. Right. And we're all in pretty much agreeance that the way things are being run right now is, is pretty shitty. And this is what we're stuck with. I mean, there was, there was zero, zero indication that John McDonough, Stan Bowman are on any sort of hot seat. And that was solidified by the, well, you know, Jeremy Colleton's the first guy that Stan Bowman hired comment. How do you root for these guys? I mean, the only thing that I could think of is I, is I want to see guys like Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Seabrook, Keith, Crawford. I want to see them succeed. But to just know that you have, you know, this, this regime in place right now that's not afraid to stab a guy like Joel Quinville in the back. And it's not so much that they fired him. This is sports. This is business. We've seen coaches get fired left and right. It's, to me, the way that they did it. The trying to be sneaky and do it on a like, Fire him on Sunday. Fire him on Sunday. Fire him yesterday. No. Let's wait. And and this is the, the, the PR side of, of John McDonough. And I'm a huge White Sox fan, so go fuck John McDonough. For you know that 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 Cubs tie that he has uh, for coming in here, and it's fine when you're winning Stanley Cups, John McDonough. But right now, I hate your fucking guts. Um, let's let's bury this in the news cycle. Let's kick this guy out the door. Let's do it early in the morning. Let's try and have this press conference at three in the afternoon. And did you see how fucking scared they looked when they were sitting up there, uh, just sitting there like with these smug little looks, like? Yeah, this was a this was a hard decision to make. Bowman's uh, got yeah, eye bags yeah. under him. Yeah. Why does Stan Bowman look like he hasn't slept in fucking? I have a tinfoil hat theory for this. We talked about it. I think you're fixing your mic or something before the show. I think that he purposely doesn't sleep to create the illusion to the fans that he's staying up all night doing uh doing GM stuff, but in reality, he's just fucking sitting with his thumb up his ass. Can I get enough money for Botox? <laughs> I hope so, man. I mean, really, like, let's go, dude. Like, he's got a no. On. He's got a no movement clause on his eye bags. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's either that or he's into some pretty hardcore drugs, which might explain some of the traits. He's, he's just made. Wolf of Wall Streeting that oh. shit. Man. Does a line in Coke? He goes, yeah. "Let's trade Artemi Panarin." Yeah. Hey, Stan Bowman, get off my fucking boat. <laughs> the the guy who I was most uh, upset with watching that press conference was John McDonough. Very uh, defensive, smug. In all of his responses, very smug. Just you can tell that him and Stan are on the same team, and we we know it. But you put on a better face. That's uh, I don't know. It, if you go back and watch some of the clips from it, he's just like 
when he's taking the question from the media, he's almost taking it as an attack, even if it's not meant to be. And it, it, it just stinks. It stinks to high heaven. So it, but that's why I asked the question, how do you root for this team? As a fan, as a fan, like we've got listeners, right. Who are going to, who are going to ingest this podcast and hear us rant about how fucking shitty this is. And how do you go through the rest of the year and watch this team, support this team, spend money on this team, go to games, watch the, watch the games on television, watch or listen to the games on the radio and root for these guys. Like what, what? How are you guys going to approach the rest of the season? Now, we talk about like, okay, let's give Jeremy Colleton a fair shot. But is it really Jeremy Colleton's team, or is it Stan Bowman's team? And if we all don't like Stan Bowman, how do you send a message to the guy that this is unacceptable? How do you send a message to Rocky Words and say we don't like the way that this organization is being run right now? Because if guys like Brent Sopel are out there saying, well, you got to make money. I mean, imagine what happens if the the attendance is five thousand, four thousand, three thousand at the United Center come uh, February. Imagine the kind of message that that sends to the Blackhawks about don't be don't be shady. Tell us what you're trying to do, because we've been on this whole we're riding the fence thing for years. I'm conflicted, guys. I I don't know how to I don't know how to ingest the rest of this Blackhawk season. I mean, yeah, I think yeah. I think the only way, at least I know I'm going to approach it, is um, kind of the point you alluded to earlier. You know, you want to see these guys that really have been the face of the team for the last decade uh, still succeed. You know, you still want to see Taves do well and Kane do well. Um, you know, even though his contract's terrible, you still got to love what Brent Seabrook's done for the organization. Duncan Keith's the same way. Uh, Crow, you know, you want to see these young guys come along because you want to at least be able to see, like, okay, maybe there is some hope going forward that some of these guys can be part of the future. Um, and really, in the end, you know, you're rooting for the jersey. You're rooting for the affiliation to your favorite team. Because ownership changes, you know, front offices change. Uh, that sweater is the one thing that's not going to change. And so fortunately, you know, that's just how you have to – you almost have to just be blind to the front office as hard as that is. Because even with Jeremy Carlton, I'll tell you right now, and, you know, we were talking about this earlier, and, and Tony, you were kind of – I think you were kind of giggling about it. I am a big Jeremy Carlton fan. I think he's going to be a fantastic NHL head coach. Is he young? Sure. Is he inexperienced? Sure. But guess what? Every great NHL head coach started out young and inexperienced at some point in their careers. You know, so they have to all start somewhere. And, you know, I'm rooting for him in hopes that the team does at least well enough under him. I'm, you know, I, it's, it's really hard to say the, the magical P word that was thrown around at the press conference today, but for them to at least prove enough and develop and maybe play well toward the end of the year to where if Stan is canned, we're going to make that into a hashtag can Stan Um, (laughs) as well as, you know, at this point, honestly, I would argue canning McDonough too. If you're Rocky words and you realize that this is, this front office is getting stale and is no longer making you money if that's truly all you give a shit about, change it up. 
I saw something on Twitter today. Stevie Eiserman's out there. Make him the fucking president mm-hmm. of hockey operations. Let him bring in a GM. Look what he did in Tampa. You want to talk about a great cap situation? That team's got stars locked up left and right for fair contracts. Now, granted, they do have an advantage because Florida has no state tax. But, um, you know, they they were able to do it. You know, change it up. And I really hope Jeremy Colleton does well enough and maybe can win himself a job for a couple of years into the future and let him grow with some of these guys. You know, he's he's a young coach. I'm not against the idea of having a young coach. Eventually, it was going to get to this point anyway if Q had retired or had moved on after his contract expired. And, you know, just you, you got to root for the guys you see. And not for the guys that are sitting up in the rafters where you can't see in suits and ties. You know, root for the guys that you're going to see on the TV broadcast because ultimately those are really the only guys you're going to be able to enjoy and like. Yeah, Ron, I'm just going to echo your statement with a short and sweet one. Commit to the Indian. And that's you summed up the definition of that perfectly. The jersey's not going to change. The leadership, the front office, coaching personnel on the team all that will change but sweater will never change so um that's that's how i'm gonna approach it tony if you're asking how i'm gonna root for this team i've gone to my one game for the year i don't know if i'll be back again we'll see um see how the rest of this thing pans out but for me it's i you know what i love hockey i'm gonna go ahead and probably watch every single game that i possibly can for the rest of the season that's not going to change um, but for as for standing, sending a message to Stan Bowman, I don't know. Let, let's let's think of some ideas. Let's brainstorm them here. <laughs> well, I'm I'm glad that you brought that last part up because if the Blackhawks PR team gives any pays any attention to social media at all, if if any of those employees were watching the live Periscope on Twitter, they will see that every single fucking comment on there said fire Stan Bowman. Every single person mention how shitty Stan Bowman is. If you roll through Twitter and even type in Quinville or Coach Q firing, there's going to be a million tweets that say, fuck you, Stan Bowman. And that's just the harsh reality of how our fans feel about the front office. And I think that's impossible to, to just brush over, you know, from a fan's perspective, we all know that we're on the same page. Why can't, you know, it's going to be harder to escape as time goes on. I think if this team struggles, it's going to be hard for them to, to get past the fact that fans are unhappy. I come back to John McDonough saying that they expected criticism. Right. And the defense that they put up for, for Stan Bowman during this, this press conference just shows to me that they are blind. They like their million-dollar-plus salaries. They want to keep each other happy. Their family's happy. They don't give a flying fuck about the fans. And that's the thing that just drives me crazy is the only person that can correct the situation is Rocky Words. Mm-hmm. And as a Blackhawks fan who enjoys watching hockey, and Johnny, you hit, you hit the nail on the head, I'm probably going to watch all the games because I like watching hockey. I'm a fan of the sport. I'm a fan of the team. I you know, live and die Blackhawks hockey. But it seems that the only possible way to remove Stan Bowman and John McDonough from their current posts is for this team to just 
absolutely fall apart at the seams and for the money to stop rolling in for Rocky Wirtz. Because as long as Rocky Wirtz is making money, Stan Bowman and John McDonough have jobs. And in my opinion, the only way that this team turns itself around as far as coming back to the playoffs, as far as bringing back championships and Stanley Cup parades to Grand Park down Michigan Avenue is for Stan Bowman to be far as fuck away from the Blackhawks organization. And that has me conflicted as a fan as to how much attention, how much money, how much uh, I ingest the Blackhawks product because if if you don't send a message, nothing's going to change. I wanted to add this in really quick too. I just this just kind of came across my mind, but I like how they are saying that they expected criticism, but he has been fucking receiving criticism far before this move. Like Stan Bowman has had nothing but criticism attached to his name for the last two years. So why, I mean, expecting, criti- yes, you should expect criticism because that's all you're receiving up until this point. You haven't made a move that would that would give us another feeling to have about you. It's just, it's ridiculous, man. Here's I a think- thought. Here's a thought. Why didn't you try and use that extra cap space to improve the team before you fired the fucking head coach? Maybe because they were trying to justify a reason to fire Joel. Right. Again. Yeah. Right. The first skid they go on this year. Where's the accountability? Where is it? I don't know. The front office is kind of the grandmasters of this whole thing, and I feel like they're kind of starting to become complacent in that and they say how much they want to be aggressive and win now and one goal believe in one goal whatever the slogan is this year but one of my favorite things was that uh, bowman says he's down, gonna be buying yeah. he's gonna be buying at the trade deadline what is he selling get the fuck out of what here what are we selling he's not buying anything oh, at the i trade bet deadline. he i bet he buys i bet he buys I, I bet, bet he buys. buys because if he doesn't buy what does this all look like I just I can't wait till he trades, you know, a good future piece, and I pray to God that it's not to bring it, and just for a first round exit in the playoffs. I pray to God it's not Bokefist. and so do I, or any of these guys, man. Package the two of them together. It's just (laughs) God. Don't give me stop. I've had enough heartbreak today, man. There will be a hole in the wall behind me if that happens. My fist will have gone. A foot and a half through the, that wall. The Blackhawks <laughs> trade Boquist and Alex Debrinket for Matt Duchesne. <laughs> oh my God! <laughs> no, it'll be for also Stan Bowman attached to second be for round Ryan pick. Reeves. Yeah, seriously, for Duchesne to just walk away in free agency because he goes, I don't want to fucking be here during this nightmare. You know, honest nightmare. to God, what it, I think the fans are intelligent enough to realize this, but. The front office should just fucking come out and say it now because they were doing this whole, you know, we're retooling and, and, you know, something that uh, that John Jacob kind of famously coined was the silent rebuild. Just come out and tell the fan base you're fucking rebuilding. 
Because guess what? You're going to have to if you ever want to win a Stanley Cup again. You know, the current roster is not good enough to win, clearly, because you have the second all-time winning as head coach, and they're really, if you think about it, a below 500 team right now. And it's plain and simple. Their defense is garbage outside of maybe their top three. You know, you're claiming Eric Gustafson's a fourth defenseman, which I think on a good team, he's a six, but he's not a four. You know, their forward depth is is okay, but it's not great. And you have $9 million tied up in goaltenders. Like, and then you didn't use cap space that you had. And who constructed that roster? <gasps> Stambo. Needs to just get the fuck out of town. So, and, and we go back to accountability. Yeah, if we want, if we want to put a bottom line on this, I, I I know we we've been nailing this over and over, and there's obviously some more that we can get into with this. But if I just want to put a bottom line on this, somebody had to fall on the sword. Mm-hmm. It's easier to fire the head coach than going ahead and clearing a front office, and you can't fire the team. I mean, you can't like, there's no, no one's gonna take a Brent Seabrook contract. You can't, you know. There's, you can't even move him if you want yeah, to because exa- he's got a, exa- no trick clause. Exa- exactly. So someone had to fall on the sword, and unfortunately, it was Joel Quinville. So I think that's just the moral of story for what happened today. And it's sad. It's terrible. All of us are upset about it, as we all should be. But uh, that's business. He was the longest tenured head coach in the league in his 11th season with the Blackhawks. The next longest was John Cooper at seven with Tampa. Um, I mean, it's it's a long time. The 11 years as an attorney to be around professional sports. So um, very thankful to Joel Quinville for his service during that time. Um, hate that it had to end this way. But honestly, I do think if this continues down the path that it's most likely projected to be going down, we will most likely see Stan Bowman gone towards the end of this at the end of the season or in the off season. I would, I would imagine. I, I, I think that's very, as much as we say, all oh, these guys are tied to each other. There's going to be a point where they're going to have to realize it, especially if this thing crashes and burns. It's just such a shitty day. It is. I think I'm going to have another little drink for Q here. <laughs> I mean, Johnny, I think you bring up a good point. Um, I would hope that Bowman's gone at the end of this year because, you know, if we look at kind of the natural trend of things, of them underperforming, and then the results that come attached to that underperformance, I think that the only viable answer, if they have yet another shitty year, would be to get rid of Bowman just as a as a point of pleasing the fans, right? I mean, last year you make all this huff and puff about missing the playoffs and that we threaten at, at getting rid of Q's job. Now we actually get rid of Q's job, you know, and that's paired with, you know, trades of Hammer and all these other fucking people before that year for getting first round booted of the playoffs. You got it. You got to get Stan out of office if, if we have another shitty year just by the natural trend of things. Does that actually happen? Who fucking knows, right? Because now they, they're they so deeply rooted into the front office and all of this shit's going left and right. We don't really know what they can do, but on paper it'd be 
the thing that nice happen. logical move yeah right. not until they uh they let jeremy Calton really get a hold of this roster <laughs> I see the smirks on all your faces right now. It's phenomenal. This is our, for those of you who don't know, this is our first time all webcamming. And like usually you can hear the sarcasm in, in Tony's voice, but now we can see it in his face, and it's fantastic. <laughs> We've now just committed to always having the webcams on. Yeah, we have to. Do to. these podcasts. We have to. Oh. It's a shame we didn't use webcams around Halloween. Could have fucking worn some dumb shit and oh. seen how many times you guys could have laughed. <laughs> Is there any positive to this at all with the Q? I mean, the one thing I take away positive is that Ulfi and, you know, the, hopefully we get some type of a a new look on our PK or, or, or power play. But other than that, I mean... Obviously, there's no positive to Quinn, Quinville going, but assistant coach is getting canned. I'm not too upset about. Yeah, so I just there's a couple notes I had here. Uh, we were the 27th ranked power play at 14% conversion rate, 22nd ranked penalty kill, 67.6%, or excuse me, 76.6% killed off. Um, I, usually, assistant coaches... Um, given those duties to oversee that. So, I mean, I don't, is that really going to change with no. the uh, assistant coaches that have been assigned to Jeremy Colleton, not ones that he's picked who knows. Um, but if you're looking for positives, Tyler, maybe relating to younger players right. on a um, more personal level, seeing how a guy who's been, he's, you know, He's played his share of NHL games, and he's coached young guys for the past, what, three, four years, whether it be in Europe and in Rockford last year. Um, you heard the comments from John Hayden and Luke Johnson today. They both praised the work that he did in Rockford for them last year. So maybe that's a positive to take out of this, that he can start to relate to some of these younger guys. We may see a Dylan Sakura called up like fairly that. soon here. Um, so that, that honestly, I mean, it's, it's tough to trudge forward from this, but if I were to try and point out a positive, that may be it. I mean, I'm excited to see a fresh look on this team. I just don't want it to be Bowman's look. I want, if, if it's going to be anyone's look, I want it to be the head coach's look. I think he could maybe do some great things, right? He played in the NHL a lot more Barry recently Smith's than, look. right. Or, but it's Barry <laughs> Smith's, it's Barry Smith's team, right? It's not going to be Colleton's team. Colleton played far more recently than Quinville did. You know what I mean? And not that that's a knock on Quinville or anything, but he knows where this game is evolving to. It's all about speed, right? It's all about speed. And he may know that. He definitely knows that. He's he's knows where the game is going a little bit more, not so deeply rooted in his ways. But I just, like we talked about earlier, I don't think it's going to be his team to to be you know, projecting his looks on. Yeah, and to be quite honest, I kind of want him to project his look onto, especially the power play. For sure. Um, because that Rockford power play late in the season last year was filthy. They were incredibly effective. They got the defense involved. I think I, I can count 
uh, maybe two or three Wolves games I went to late in the season when they played the Ice Hogs, where, you know, Rockford puts up five goals and four of them come from defensemen. I mean, the D were jumping into the play, you know, uh, forwards are going balls to the walls on every shift. I mean, it's just, you know, maybe it's just those little things that it can breathe some fresh air, at least give a positive outlook going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the rest of this season is is definitely going to be tough. He's pretty high on Edgeshill too, right? Because he was Edgeshill was on like the first couple lines when he was going through that playoff run, I believe, right? Yeah, Edgeshill had a monster playoff run for Rockford last year. Um, I think he was yeah in a top six role, um, as yeah, were a couple other guys notably. But I'd like to and, see him hop over. What was that? I said I'd like to see him hop over. Man, he's a big body that can score goals. I wouldn't mind seeing him out there instead of Johnson. Yeah, and. To that point, I would much rather see Dylan Sakura versus like a Chris Kunitz. So, of course, um, you know, I think something I also saw a lot today on Twitter was the hope that, and again, I don't want to, you know, beat the 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 dead horse of Barry Smith's team, but if uh, if Jerry Jeremy Colleton can have any true influence on who he wants to play on the roster. Um, I would not be opposed to seeing a guy like Chris Kunitz sit for a couple games in favor of a guy like Dylan Sakura or even like John Hayden to get some more ice time. I think that's the only really positive to side with is that he's going to give some more responsibility to younger players. Yeah. Yeah. Eric Gustafson said that he, that Colleton helped him along the way a great deal last season as well. So that may be something else to look at if you're looking for positives um, in this situation. But other than that, said day, Q gone. Um, guys, do we, do we want to move forward with uh, the little uh, talk about the current team, week games or prospect report or. I think it's a good idea. I mean, we got to move on, right? Like, that's, yeah. At the, the season, end of the day, this is still a team. Right, now, so. right. This is still the Blackhawks, and they're still going to be playing games, and we're still going to cover it. So, yeah. So we had that nightmare road trip to Calgary, uh, to Canada. Um, lost at Vancouver four to two. Lost at Edmonton four to nothing. Lost at Calgary five to three. A game that we definitely should have had. Um, that that was a rough stretch. And um, just one thing I wanted to point out. Um, I, we talked about it earlier, you know, the not having a guy in the box for Keith during his um, game misconduct penalty. And then we were still shorthanded for another it was a minute, all, close to two minutes. I think it was a minute and 37 or something okay. like that. If you counted off the exact time, but still that was maybe a, not a, the final decision, but a, uh, a last, uh, you know, sign that Mm -hmm. things needed to change. Um, Just not being organized from a top-down standpoint. So that that was a brutal, absolutely brutal road trip. Um, Like I, we had talked about this pod last week, we could go today. We were talking about, Oh, it was me actually saying this. I think, I hope we come out with the same energy that we did on some of those circus trips where we'd go and it'd be seven games and we'd win, you know, five of them, take another one of them to overtime and all that. And none of that happened. Not even close. Nope. 
yeah, tough watching for the Blackhawks this past week there. Um, top heavy scoring has dipped off. Um, obviously, Kane's sickness, flu, whatever it was, um, that doesn't help things. But you see how this team goes into a shell as soon as that top scoring, uh, top half scoring dries up. So we think, what can we do to improve this? And we talked about it just a few minutes ago. Dylan Sakura, is that the next answer here? I like to think so. I mean, at this point, it's worth a shot. I mean, if we're being completely honest, what the hell do you have to lose? You know, these uh, guys coming up and getting some NHL tech, I mean, you know, give it to them. Maybe we could use some of that that uh, that, that cap space, get a, get a score, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe that score can help us score some goals. Is that is that scorer's name Fireball? <laughs> name Firestan. There you go. Yes. Uh, Firestan Bowman. That was like my fourth one of those. <laughs> so I'm be taking Fireball shots just for the listeners who aren't in our video call here. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, maybe it's maybe it's Sakura. Um, maybe maybe it's a a trade. Uh, maybe it's uh, using that cap space over the off season. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what the answer is. Maybe firing Joel Quinville ignites this team, and the top heavy scoring comes back. Um, I'll, I'll take a step back. Maybe that's the message that needed to be sent. Who knows? Uh, but we said this. In the preseason, we've said it during the success that the Hawks have had. This team is going to rely on the top heavy scoring. It's going to rely on the Stars to play the best hockey that they've ever played in order to carry this team. I don't think that anything that we have in the minors currently, juniors, whatever, uh, is going to be the difference maker uh, between this team being a fringe playoff team and a cup competing team. Mm. Anything that that's going to drive this team over the top comes from outside of this organization currently. And in order to get that, you're going to have to make smart and shrewd moves. And you've limited yourself at this point to get there so i mean you can try and see what's hot and sticks for a while but in, in, in order for this team to get to the playoffs you're gonna have to have a constant rotation of guys who are gonna fill in those bottom roles and you're gonna have to ride the hot hand i mean this is just this this is literally i mean you guys play fantasy sports Ron, you do a fantasy sports podcast right sure do in order to win a fantasy league every year, you draft your, you know, your first three rounds are are, are your core guys who are going to put up consistent numbers. There's your 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 Patrick Kane, your Debrinket, your Corey Crawford. But if you want to win, you're going to have to be streaming people. And the only chance that I see the Hawks having is streaming through those bottom six or those bottom, you know, yeah, those bottom six guys. 
So you're going to have to give chances to who's ever looking good in practice. You're going to have to keep moving shit around. You're going to have to probably make some sort of deal at some point to get another fresh look in there. You're going to have to just keep moving shit around and hope it sticks. Because if you don't get lucky by just in fantasy sports making that weird pickup in you know whatever week and getting that guy who's going to go on a tear for a little bit, I mean, this team is no different than any other middle pack to lower end team in the league. And that, that is, that is what it is. Mm. Your, your, your top six guys are going to be there, but if you can't supplement that, you're fucked. And that is what it is. And they're, they're really taking a gamble here. And I think if, if you go out and you send those messages like they did today, they better be banking on making some really shrewd, good moves and getting lucky. Otherwise, they should have just said, like, listen, it is what it is. We're going into a full-on rebuild. We're going to be asking people to move to waive their NMCs. And we're going to be bad for two or three years. And we're going to get better through that. You look at other organizations across Chicago sports, you've got the White Sox, you've got the Cubs, you've got the Bears. You even have the Bulls as examples. They're banking on luck right now, and and, and that that is what it is because they want to sell tickets. They want to make money. But at the same time, the odds are stacked against them. So they're literally playing fantasy sports in the NHL right now. Yeah, and, and just something that, you know, that discussion kind of sparked in my brain, Tony. Now that, you know, you you meant, you were talking about shuffling, you know, and, and shuffling guys through and things like that. Um, there's no more Coach Q blender of the lines anymore. Mm-hmm. What what do you guys think the lines are going to be like? Do you think Colleton moves lines a lot, or do you think he's going to have, you know, he's going to say, hey, you know, maybe through three games, he finds the the guys that gel and then just lets them be and d- lets them do their thing for the rest of the year. This is actually something that I was thinking about just Sam. a few minutes ago. And I'm really, I'm really glad you brought this up. I have no clue what the lines are going to look like. I have some you in my head, man. You I don't have, throw some out. you don't have coach you to, to blend shit up, to, to make line changes on the fly anymore. And that was something that for as much shit that, Joel Quinville got for blending those lines. Some of that stuff actually worked. And I'd accredit at least one cup to Joel Quinville's creativity in blending lines uh, during playoff runs for that. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how Calton uh, puts together his, his top six and his bottom six. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was very critical of the way that, that Joel uh, had some of these lines early in the year. You saw guys like Fortin just get stuck on, on, on bottom six lines when I think that his speed and, and his talent could be a top six guy. Um, I'm curious to see if uh, he runs with the same lines for like five or six games going in and – and let guys gel together. Um, I don't know if, if Q was a detriment to chemistry 
or if he was more of a, you know, it it it, it kind of depends on his on Q's messaging in the locker room, which I don't think we got enough of uh, of the back end of that. But in in my opinion, the Coach Q style was more or less um, telling the guys that it doesn't matter what line you're on when you're on the ice, you should have chemistry with everybody. Um, and I didn't pay enough attention to Rockford to know whether or not uh, Carlton was a line blender or stuck with the same same lineup. Ron, maybe you can comment on that a little bit. But um, it'll be interesting to watch how they uh, how they go through their line changes and how they stick together because under the Q regime, it it really didn't matter. Everybody should have been able to play with everybody because they've all been on a line together. I mean, you've seen some of the craziest lines put together by Coach Q. Uh, that's that's something that I'm really interested to see uh, progress over the next few games. Yeah, and just just to quickly add before um, you know Johnny and Ty, before you guys you know kind of throw in your answers, um, you know I think one thing to consider in terms of Colleton's lines when he was in Rockford was. Uh, you have larger rosters in Rockford in the in the AHL, so you have a lot of additional guys that they try and kind of flow through the the different games, and especially because you're playing a lot of three and three games, you know, where you're playing a Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So, um, you know, you'll see different line combinations, but I think for the most part, you as long as guys were gelling and playing well together, he wouldn't just switch it up. If they had one bad game, it would take like one or two bad games for the to lines to blend a little bit. Um, and actually today at practice, the lines were as follows. So the top line was to Taves and sod. The second line was Schmaltz, Anisimov, Kane. Third line was Martinson, Kruger, Fortin. The fourth line was Kunitz, Camp, Cahoon. Let's not make up nicknames for that line. Uh, and then he had Luke Johnson and uh, John Hayden were rotating on the forwards. And then D pairings were Keith Yokiharu, Davidson, Ruda, yikes, uh, and Gustafson Seabrook with Manning rotating. So Wait, at least preliminary lines. Did we? Did we have a? I'm 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 toast at this point. Did, did he put together a KKK line? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Ron, Ron said that we weren't going to make nicknames for that. So yeah. thanks for doing that, Tony. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, I think Tony took two fireball shots just in the time I was explaining yeah. the the Rockford lines. So, um, we're he's well on his way, and that's okay. Mm. That's good. Hey, Ron, do you want to do lunch tomorrow? Mm. <laughs> Maybe. That might have to happen. <laughs> Just do fireball shots get to come with to lunch? I could I, I drive into work, so I could definitely bring uh bring whatever's <laughs> left of this. <laughs> I thought you were going a completely different way with that. I thought you were saying you're driving to work so you didn't want to take any shots, but it's the opposite. <laughs> I'll be fine. It's only eleven <laughs> o'clock. Hey, hey. Time change has really saved me. I got an extra hour of drinking, and I'm going to keep that extra hour until the time changes again. A, uh, a, P- a PSA <laughs> for listeners: solstice. there will not be anything left in that bottle of Fireball before this podcast Absolutely is over. So, not. <laughs> um, so yeah, I yeah, just wanted to throw. I don't, out I don't some... really know what to think of those uh, those lines, at least going forward. I mean, that's how it's going to be to start. I would guess. 
obviously. Um, I feel like he's trying to get the best talent clicking once again. So revitalizing that top heavy scoring that we've had. Um, so, I mean, honestly, I don't know. It, it's, it's a completely new regime that's been brought in. Um, it's all up to Jeremy Calton. So, uh, I'm honestly just kind of going to sit back and watch this, see how it unfolds. I mean, I really hope he goes for, you know, for the game that we're going to assume he wants to play, which is a speed and talent based game. Um, and with that, you know, we've been talking about Sakura jumping up uh, to the NHL. And I think that, you know, our best to get our best foot going forward, I would love to see him on a first line with Taves and Saad. And then you slot to bring it down so we can finally get Kaner playing alongside an opposite hand winger that can score goals. I'm not talking about Nick Schmaltz because it obviously doesn't work with him on the wing. Okay, then that leaves us with a pretty decently talented bottom six. You got Fortin and Schmaltz on the same line, assuming that Anisimov sticks with Kane. And then, you know, your fourth line and whoever slots in on that other wing on the third line is, is you know, not the best pickings, but, you know, Kruger hasn't had a terrible year. And, and Hayden, I'd like to see him kind of get some more time on the wing as well. So we're really only looking to fill two spots that can go to Edsel, Martinson, you name it. You know what I mean? But I really, I'd really like to see Sakura or Cahoon. Cahoon's another person who can slot in on that third line and really play a speed game with Fortin and Schmaltz. But I'd really like to see Debrinket slot against Kane and and uh, Sakura up there with some really good talent in Taves and oh, <laughs> Taves. <laughs> you know how I feel about Saad this year already. But <laughs> if he's if he's playing his game, I'd like to see Sakura up there because that's two guys that are willing to get to dirty areas and one really talented, speedy play, playmaker that can set up some some shit for them. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I, just to just quickly piggyback off that, I, I like the idea. Um, I think you almost have to keep Anisimov with Debrinket mm-hmm. and Kane. Um, just again, you have that big body who can kind of go to those dirty areas and right. allow to bring it and Kane to not divert away from themselves because, you know, you saw it, I think early on with, with Schmaltz, Saad and Kane, you know, Saad wasn't able to be himself because he had to be the puck retriever for those mm-hmm. guys. So, um, just my two cents at the yeah, back end sure. of that. But. I feel like mis- Anisimov's a misunderstood player, I think, because if you slot him, I mean, did they sign him to play second line center for Kane? I think originally that was the thought, and he doesn't perform anywhere else. I think he performs, you know, pretty well in that position. I think he's, you know, like you're saying, Ron, it, it, he is that role of puck retriever and in front of the net. That's all he's and winning faceoffs, of course. But that's that's what he should be doing, and that's not what he does. <laughs> but in that case, but yeah. I mean, so my my two cents on Nisimov. We have him locked up to the steel, so he's not going to go anywhere. He's got no move clause, of course. Thank you, Stan. Hmm. But he he is there. Why not maximize his value? Exactly. So I think he's in the right spot there where That's he needs to be on that second line. I mean, and if he performs there, why not? I And I, Tyler, I like your lines a lot there with uh, Debrinket opposite of Kane, setting him up with a right-handed shot to feed to. Um that 
that would be ideal to see going forward, but for sake of spreading things out, getting the most of it, um, I think that they're probably at least at least for the get go, Jeremy Colleton probably going to stick with the Brinkett up there top line. Um, but that, like I said, that's just my two cents mm-hmm. on it. Just wanted to offer that up because if you're going to have him on the roster, he's going to be there anyway. Try to yeah, maximize his value there. there yeah. and, Dare I say Anisimov is almost, in a way, kind of like Bickle, where yeah. he's he's a good player for what he does well, but he's just being overpaid because Stan doesn't know how to sign guys to contracts. I would say so. Pretty right on. So, food for thought. What do we think of Cahoon recently? I mean, going from a first line kind of 1-2-3 with Dabrinkit and Taves now getting some time on the fourth line. It's a little bit concerning. Yeah, I, I don't know if that was the right move for him. See, he, he's got the hands. He's got the speed. Um, I, I liked him with that, you know, third line right wing role. So that that's just me. I, I would have liked to see him stick there. I don't think the blunder um, had to go as far as him for a young player like that in his first NHL season. Um I mean, I know, I know other guys may be a little more used to it if they're under Q's system for that long, but him being thrust into this and then having to be jumped off that line and playing with guys who may not have the puck for as extended amounts of time that he was playing with on the first line, I don't know. I just don't think that was the best situation for him yeah. personally. Obviously, you can't care to the offense to one, one individual player, but I don't think it was in Cahoon's best interest for him to be sent down yeah i just i don't think he's going to perform there like it's similar to anisimov's kind of problem when he's on a different line like what possible playmaking ability is Cahoon gonna have on a line with kruger and martinson is that who he's with or was he with someone else hayden um i believe he was with camp and kunitz okay so at least camp has a i mean the least bit amount of a, uh, he's got a decent shot on him up the middle, but Kunitz isn't going to offer anything to that line. Kunitz hasn't offered anything to the Blackhawks so right. far. Exactly. Yeah. I'd prefer to see Hayden on that left wing instead mm-hmm. of Kunitz. I don't know why they're so reluctant to play Hayden, man. I mean, we're looking for grit. We're looking you, for a role player. You, that's him. Here's a good, here's a good question. Now, do you think that'll change with Colton in, I hope in so. there now? I think so. I Ron, you're so. shaking your head. With, yeah, I, I hope so. I mean, these are all guys that he had success with last year in Rockford. Luke Johnson, uh, Alex Fortin, uh, John Hayden, Eric Gustafson, you know, the list goes on. I mean, there's a lot of guys on this team that he had down in Rockford um, for different points of the of the season last year. So um, they trusted him. He was able, you know, they said nothing but great things about him uh, when they were asked about him. And, you know, I would hope that if they're truly committed to this going young and, and kind of this rebuild that they're essentially suggesting, um, let these young guys play. What do you, what do you have to lose at this point besides exactly. them being able to develop in, in a system that could potentially be the system going forward? Exactly. Why not come out and say that today, though? Because they refuse to because then it won't sell tickets. They're not saying they're well, refusing to say they're a money. rebuild. They're a playoff team right now, Tony. Who cares though? Like if if 
let's send a fake message so that the next three years suck instead of giving the message right now so that this year sucks and maybe people want to buy tickets for next year when you watch these guys develop it's just it's such ass backwards thinking no it really is it's just i think that their thoughts on that is just a little different mindset sewn into blackhawks fans as opposed to you and me, Tony, as White Sox fans. Whereas, you know, we were at games probably every other week, um, you know, for White Sox this year, even though it was a rebuilding year. That's what I'm saying. It's just a different mindset that is already installed in Blackhawks fans, whereas, you know, they're going to shut that down and not want to go because this team is not, you know, poised to make the playoffs or whatever it may be. Whereas we accepted that as White Sox fans and, you know, it's going to, it's going to be harder to transition and they're still gripping onto the last, you know, little bit of it that they have left because they have somewhat of a core with Taves Kane. Just be honest. I mean, that's, that's all we're asking as fans. Yeah, uh, just just I, be honest. They don't want to be honest. I'm just, I'm just offering up explanations for why they don't come out and say it. That's right. all it is. I, but, I agree with you hundred percent. Just be honest with us, but that's if yeah. they're honest, then it it's out there saying it's their mistake. If if they're honest and they're saying that we're doing a rebuild right now, whose fault is that? That's the GM's I'd, fault. Right? I'd still give I'd still give them the benefit of the doubt. If if Stan Bowman and John McDonough came out today during that press conference and said, Listen, we started the season okay. We went on a skid. We were terrible last year. It's unacceptable. We're getting rid of Coach Q. We're going to rebuild this team. There's going to be moves. We're going to ask people to waive no movement clauses. I'm fully accountable for making bad decisions as far as trades, personnel decisions. John McDonough is giving me the chance to fix this. It's totally different. It's totally yeah, different sure. press conference. It's a totally different mentality. And then, yes, I give Stan Bowman the benefit of the doubt to come out and fix the mistakes that he's made. Rather than we're still trying to make the playoffs, we're going to do this now, blah, 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 blah and give me all the smoke and mirrors. That's why I want Stan Bowman and John McDonough's head. If if Stan came out and said that, and then John McDonough said, yes, Stan Bowman's accountable. I'm giving Stan Bowman the chance to fix this. We're going to give him a year, two years, whatever. I, I don't care. Throw an arbitrary date out there. We are actually going to hold him accountable. If we do not see results, moves will be made. It's as simple as that. It's as simple as living up to the statement of holding accountability for what's taking place. That's a totally different tone that you set for the fans. And then, hey, I'm still buying tickets. I'm still going to games. I'm watching this. I'm rooting for Stan Bowman to fix it rather than this whole movement that we have of 
Hashtag Firestan Bowman. It's simple to me. I mean, that that's your answer right there, is be honest, let people know what's going on, and set an expectation. There was zero expectation set outside of, we're still going to make the playoffs this year. And guess what happens if they don't? Nothing. There were no ramifications set forth for anybody outside of, well, we'll need to give him a pass because now he's got his coach and there's going to be an adjustment period. Set some fucking expectations. Yeah. Yeah, you I hit it on the head, Tony. Yeah. Yeah. It's... I didn't think of that excuse because um, I know earlier we were kind of talking about you know, the natural ebb and flows of things have been to can people um, or, or make some changes. But, you know, with what you just kind of said, I think that would be the perfect excuse that they could make is, oh, give them some time. This is the first coach that, that Stan's put into play. Yeah, they have it pretty locked down to keep Stan yep. in office. It's, it's, it's disgusting. I feel like I'm watching. I love, I love your faces right now. I, just, I love, I love looking at all these. Was, this the pure dis- despair and sadness and yeah, you know, we had gotten off of it and we were starting to talk a little bit about you know what Carlton's going to do here, but you know it all comes back to the sad reality that Joel Quinville is no longer our coach. Our front office is making excuses. Um, they're not holding themselves accountable, although they say they are through, a, you know, pointing out a scapegoat and releasing him. Um, it's just it's a it's a sad situation right now for Blackhawks fans. And um, yeah, it, it just sucks overall. But I mean, we're uh, we're here and we're going to commentate on it no matter what happens. So join or die. Let's go, Hawks. <laughs> yeah, as I say, we got a. Uh... Oh man! All right, so Jeremy Calton's first game Thursday night at home against Carolina, seven thirty p.m. Saturday they hit the road at Philly, twelve o'clock start, and Monday at Carolina, six o'clock start. Nice. So. Um, Hopefully we see some energy, some revitalization from some of these top guys. Um, I mean, I want to see it throughout the whole roster, but, you know, you get a Patrick Kane, like we had mentioned earlier, Patrick Kane talking about how he's emotionally distraught over, you know, not feeling well enough to play. Um, You know, he's going to be, he's going to have this four full off days of rest to get himself healthy again. Um, let's see if he can get back to that, uh, you know, league leader and goals sort of uh, slot that he had himself in before that. I mean, Kane, Kane and Taves were off to the start that was the best of their, almost the best of their careers mm-hmm. um, to begin this year. So, I mean, as much as this, you know, power struggle, coaching situation change, all that sucks. Uh, we're we're gonna have to start looking forward here. So, um, any anything you guys want to come on 
coming on or what you guys are looking forward to for this upcoming trip? I, I think I'm just looking forward to seeing what Colleton is actually able to do and how much kind of rain he has on the team. Uh, and then just the response of the team, who's playing with who, who gets hot, who doesn't. Um, you know, I think these next three games are going to be, uh, you know, pretty telling of, of that, uh, especially by that third game come Monday in Carolina. Yeah, just to echo that, I'd like to see, um, you know, not only that, but I kind of would like to see, you know, say they have a bad game in Carolina, the first game, I'd like to see what changes Collagen's enable, you know, can enable them to enact to, to kind of see what, you know, what, what, what their resilience is at at this, at this point in time, if they have a bad game against Carolina the first time, are they able to bounce back? Can he make those changes? Um, is it going to be rather it's line changes or pairing changes or, you know, whatever it is, I'd like to see if he can make some positive changes for the team. I'm looking forward to, uh, rewatching my 2013 Stanley cup DVDs. <laughs> um, that's what I'm going to be doing. <laughs> Uh, I'll definitely I'll definitely hit up some highlights, but I will be tuned into all of these games. So um, that's that's where we're yeah, at. I mean, that's that's be real. I'll be watching the games. Yeah, we'll all be watching. Yeah. And so, so um, do we want to give a let's go Hawks and just end this? No, we should or just play in the arms of an angel it. by Sarah McLaughlin. All right. I'll, I'll get, I'll give one positive <laughs> note. Dylan Sakura leading the ice hogs at 10 points, four goals, six assists through 12 games. Um, hopefully we see him soon. Let's, let's, let's look forward to that. Dylan Sakura is going to get called up at some point this season. Let's hope, hopefully that Colton's or Colton's, uh, emphasis on young talent, speed, um, an offensive attack sort of game allows the system to just expand beyond what it was with Q just messing with lines and we actually get some reinforcements and who knows, that may bring a spark. So with that, let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks. Fire stamp, Bowman. In the arms, arms. I was gonna start singing that too. <laughs> I feel like I no. reserved my Sarah McLaughlin for Marion Hosa highlights, but that's just me. I feel like a <laughs> dog trapped in a cage. That's what I feel like right now. <sighs> All right, I think you can cut it off there, Ty. <laughs> and this was Four Feathers Podcast Episode Eight. Johnny, Tyler. Without you, my friend. And I'll tell you all about it when I see you again. We've come a long way from where we began. <laughs>